everyone and welcome to Dissecting Dexter, a podcast devoted to the Showtime TV series Dexter and now Dexter New Blood. It's the series we never thought we'd see, nor did we ever expect it, but it's here. After months of casting rumours, on-set photos, official publicity stills, teasers, trailers, not to mention the mounting excitement and speculation from the fan community, the lights have come back on in Dexter Town. <laughs> Wait a minute, can I say that? Who writes this rubbish? I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from the heart of Yorkshire, England. If you're new to this podcast, welcome, and thank you so much for checking it out. Grab a chair and make yourself comfy. Whether you came here from hearing me on the recent Dexter Wrap-Up podcast or just found us while searching the podcast apps, you are very welcome and I hope you'll like it enough to stick around and maybe feel inspired to send in your own thoughts on the episodes as we go along. I take a deep dive into listener feedback every week and we get some great comments and opinions. Every one of them is valid, so don't be shy. Even if I've liked an episode, don't hold back if you disagree. It's all good and makes for a fun discussion. It does mean the podcast can go a little long sometimes, but I always feel that if someone's taken the time to write an email or record a message, I should at least take the time to read it out or play it and respond. In any case, interacting with you guys is what makes this whole thing rewarding for me, and I do appreciate your support. To old listeners coming back, welcome to you too, and thank you for returning. So... For this new season, we are indeed back. I've got a busy time at work at the moment, but I'll do my best to get each podcast out by Thursday every week. But I'll post to Facebook or Twitter when I'm preparing to help you if you wanted to send in feedback. The email address is the same as it's always been. It's dissectingdexter, all one word, dissectingdexter at gmail.com where you can send voicemail messages too if that suits you better. And it's always nice, isn't it, to get a break from me talking. This season, I'm mixing it up a little. This week, it's just me, solo, but I plan to get a guest host involved for at least a couple of other episodes too. It breaks the monotony for you, and it's fun to get a two-way conversation going about the show. There'll be a familiar voice or two, but maybe a new one. Who knows? Watch this space. Finally... Before we dissect the episode, quick bit of housekeeping. If you follow me on Facebook, you'll know this already, but I've been so lucky to have enjoyed free podcast hosting all these last 11 years. But last week I found out at fairly short notice that this would be ending and I had to quickly find a new host. In order to find something reliable, as you can imagine, this unfortunately comes at a cost. I don't have a sponsor, and so I took the very difficult decision to start a Patreon page to see if I could drum up a little support with hosting costs. I know a lot of podcasts do it, it's a common thing these days, but it was difficult for me because it goes against my character <laughs> to hold out a hand. But you can become a patron for as little as £1 a month and it all helps cover the hosting and bandwidth costs. I've added an additional limited tier for £5 a month that has the bonus of an invitation to guest on a future podcast. Any support is so appreciated. And a massive thank you goes to my first three patrons. Axel from the Daily DVR Podcast Network, Travis and Deanna. You guys are so kind and I'm humbled that you have helped out. If anyone else would like to chip in, visit patreon.com slash dissectingdexter. Thank you so much. Okay, 
let's get stuck in now, shall we? And look back on this first episode. There's so much to talk about. So here we go then, Dexter New Blood. Episode 1, Cold Snap. Original air date, the 7th of November, 2021. Written by showrunner, returning showrunner, Clyde Phillips. And directed by Marcos Siega. Here we go. Cold open, and immediately we know this is going to be different. The snowy forest setting, drone and tracking shots following Dexter as he runs through the trees, rifle over his shoulder. Gone are the button shirts and plain slacks, and instead he's wearing workman's dungarees, a jumper and a woolly hat. Why he's running, we don't know, but he's accompanied by Iggy Pop's passenger. A bit on the nose for a song choice, perhaps, but right away, everything feels, looks and sounds different. And I like it. (laughs) He's not being chased, though. It might be that this is his daily exercise. Maybe, you know, he's pushing 50, he wants to keep keep in trim, keep fit. We see him line up a shot on a white buck. A coincidence? And not a reference to former showrunner Scott Buck, I'm sure. (laughs) They wouldn't be so mean. But here's something, now that I think about it. Is this a metaphor for maybe shooting down those later, less popular seasons? Intentional or not, it's interesting. Anyway, I was very happy that he didn't pull the trigger. An innocent life, of course. Something that'll come up again later. Throughout the episode, some of the shots of snowy roads make me think of the Coen Brothers film Fargo. One of my favourites, by the way. And we have a similar shot from that film with Dexter clearing the snow off his car windscreen. But he doesn't lose his shit like Jerry Lundegaard does. It's nearly three and a half minutes before we get any dialogue. Just shots of Dexter's new life, isolated in a a very cosy log cabin in the forest. Complete with Christmas tree, so we know what time of year this is. Although, of course, we uh, see the calendar in a minute. He's got a collection of farm animals that he tends to. It seems like a peaceful, idyllic existence and a far cry from the one he left behind in Miami. If you hadn't seen the trailers, you'd be surprised by who says the first words in the episode. And I'm still bummed that they spoiled this in the pre-season publicity. This is something I'd have rather been surprised by. It's Deb. She's right there with Dex in his cabin. Not the new Harry, though who just showed up when Dexter needed advice or guidance. Deb seems to be with Dexter nearly all the time. (laughs) Well, at least at home, like a permanent ghost. First time we hear her speak, Dex doesn't flinch, so clearly she's been with him a long time. There's a moment where he's eating breakfast and she lays her head on the table and looks, well, kind of lovingly at him. Nothing is said, but there's a sadness to it. It makes sense, given he had Harry in his head all those years, that he'd do the same with Deb, like it's a a penance and a comfort at the same time. He has no one else from his previous life, does he? The new title card pops up for Dexter New Blood, and I like it. And then a very weird quick-fire montage of images, which turned out to be images from the episode. I don't get it, and I don't like it. I'll say it right there. There were glimpses of things that I might not want pre-warning of. Don't we all want to be surprised as the episode unfolds? Not sure whose creative decision this was, but this added nothing to the show and only served to potentially spoil. Get rid of it! (laughs) However, I do like the title of the episode being incorporated into the next scene. In this case, Cold Snap is shown like 
sort of frosty uh, frosting on the road as Dexter drives along in his pickup. And I loved how the letters sort of dissipated like they were made of dusty snow. Yes, this is new Dexter in so many creative ways. He gets stopped on the road by a police officer, and this is our first introduction to police chief Angela Bishop, who is also Dexter's girlfriend. Played by Julia Jones, who I've seen before in things like Westworld and Goliath. Seems this police stop scenario is just a setup that they like to do for fun, as evidenced by them shagging on the back seat. The subsequent interaction on the police radio makes it clear that police business here is pretty low key and small time. We start to see why Dexter chose to live here. No chance of murderers to get on his radar and tempt him into killing. At this point also, we don't know when he last killed. Was his last one Oliver Saxon? Or Deb, if you want to be literal. And did he choose to have a police chief as his girlfriend to help make sure it's harder to fulfil any dark need should the temptation arise? Or maybe a handy coincidence? We can't always choose who we're attracted to, right? We see Dexter walking along the main street in this small town of Iron Lake, all decorated for Christmas. Loads of people seem to know him and he interacts merrily. The vicar, some teenagers. As we saw in the trailers, he's going by the name Jim Lindsay, the surname being a nod to the author Jeff Lindsay, who wrote the original books. Dexter, we can only call him Dexter, can't we? Jim will just get weird and confusing. Dexter seems well-liked and everything seems cosy and normal. Again, has he ingratiated himself with the locals in a further attempt to make it extra difficult for him to kill? Being close to the police chief, being well known to the locals, a place very low on serious crime, it all adds up to a life where potential victims will be almost non-existent. And if he was to get tempted, it could be logistically a lot harder for him to go through with it and get away with it. At this point, we don't know who in the town will end up being important, but we're encouraged to take note of a helicopter going overhead, a rich guy called Edward Olson going to his chalet, someone says. Dexter was earlier seen sharpening a meat cleaver, and we see why when he takes it to a guy butchering a pig. However, as he approaches, we see the blood pouring from the carcass onto the ground, and Dexter pauses to watch. It starts to make you think that it's been a long time since he last killed. Seeing the blood there is to him what the sight of a glass of whiskey or a beer might do to a recovering alcoholic. I say might, I don't know firsthand, but I imagine. And this becomes a bit of an ongoing thing, this episode. Dex ends up at work, carrying his traditional box of donuts. Fred's fish and game. Hunting supplies, gun shop, knives, survival stuff, outdoor gear, Christmas tree, photos on the walls. Typical small town, family run store. Fred himself seems a nice guy, played here by Michael Cyril Creighton, most recently seen as the cat guy in the Disney Plus show Only Murders in the Building, starring alongside Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez. Well worth a look if you're on the hunt for a decent show to watch in between Dexters. Everything up until now just feels like normal small town life. Even when the arrogant, cocky young man comes in wanting a big new gun... We find out his name is Matt Caldwell and people following the casting announcements over the last year know that his father is played by Clancy Brown, a pretty important man in Iron Lake. Clearly Matt's meant to be a dick and this is where he does the thing with the knife we saw in the trailer where Dexter says, oh I've got a thing about blood. 
They talk about hunting and Dexter says he's not killed any animals since he was a teenager, which was an interesting remark. We know young Dexter started out killing local animals before graduating to people, but we also know that he killed animals later. It was our friend Travis who pointed out that Dexter killed a deer with Trinity and a raccoon when working on Boyd Fowler in season five's Hello Bandit. There's nothing to suggest Dexter has to tell Matt the truth, though, so I don't think we should necessarily use this as a nitpick against the writers. Matt has an issue with Dexter having to run a police background check before allowing him to take the gun, and we found out, find out why later, but he really is a cocky little shit, <laughs> who we're clearly meant to dislike, and you can see Dexter won't be inclined to send him a Christmas card, but he does well to keep cool and courteous. I went to the church that night that you killed Travis Marshall to tell you that I'm in love with you. I know it's weird and it's gross and it's fucked up. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. You're a serial killer and I'm more fucked up than you are. We meet the good folk at the local police department. Chief Bishop is here talking to someone about a missing girl. And if you've seen the trailers, you'll know that there have been several going missing. And this may end up crucial to whatever central plot plays out this season. We meet Esther, who handles the switchboard and radio. Officer Teddy, played by David uh, Magidoff. Another officer, Logan, played by Alano Miller. It turns out a red flag has come up on the Matt Caldwell check, although Logan defends him as a rich kid but a good one. However, the records show that Matt was involved in a boat crash in which five people died. Dexter's face. He just doesn't want to hear it and tries to change the subject. The records show that Matt wasn't driving, but heaven forbid the crash was his fault. And even worse if he did it intentionally, making him a killer to fit the code, right? Dexter's not trying to take a sniff of that killer nectar, <laughs> but you can see him. Oh, he's <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit uh, feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I found it funny that Dexter and Angela's choice of evening entertainment was a line dancing night at the local tavern. Remember his reaction to Deb and Brian dancing in season one, and his awkwardness at the high school reunion. Anyway, Matt Caldwell's there with his buddies, drinking too much and getting very loud. Dex and Angela talk about the missing girls, but Dex swiftly changes the subject, deciding that dancing is the better option. So weird, seeing him like this, and maybe he really has changed in all these years. Perhaps he genuinely isn't interested in missing person reports. Matt tries to convince Dexter to open the gun shop, just for him, and preempt the background check, but Dex is sticking to the rules and seems to relish frustrating him. We get a little insight into Angela Bishop's character as she encounters a single girl at the bar. She's from out of town and clearly Angela is using her police instinct on the back of the recent missing girl reports and is concerned this one might end up missing too. So she helps her out with food and bus fare. Angela looks to be a kind, honourable and trustworthy woman like most of Miami PD back in the day. She has integrity and decency. We also learn that she's mum to a teenage girl, so that may add to her decision to help this one in the bar. We briefly see a mysterious figure getting out of a truck. We can't see their face, but they'll pop up again later, as Dexter leaves the tavern. Next day, Dex tries to go to the tavern for lunch, 
but Edward Olsen has booked out the whole place for a meeting. Security on the door preventing anyone going in, which uh, a crowd of environmental protesters have gathered outside, protesting against oil drilling. This is the guy from the helicopter, and when he emerges, I recognise him as uh, Marshal Edward Mars from Lost. He's polite to the crowd, though, and quite gracious. Maybe not a bad guy, per se. Angela's daughter is among the protesters, Audrey, played by Johnny Sequoia. Again, the hooded figure is there in the background watching Dexter, and this time he notices. Dexter has to deliver the gun to Matt Caldwell at his dad's house after he got cleared to purchase. There's a noisy party going on. Matt's busy in bed with a girl, very noisy, while his friend from the gun store opens up to Dexter. He's clearly had uh, way too much to drink and uh, probably sniffed a bit too much uh, cocaine. But this guy gets himself all wound up and uh, it turns out he's got some serious bad blood with Matt and we find out why. He took the rap for the boat accident, getting paid off by Matt's father and he needs the money so he stays sweet. It was Matt who was driving and deliberately caused the crash. Poor Dex. That bottle is open and he's taking a deep breath. Credit to Michael C. Hall here. There was a lovely dark look in his eye. One that we remember very well. And in the next scene, giving the gun to Matt, we see his discomfort. Some of those old urges seeping back. And the subtle soundtrack in the background. It was nice. It provided some familiar tones from the score of the original series. Dexter fantasises about busting Matt in the face with the gun butt. And it was pretty funny. <laughs> Dex goes home that night and there was a very clumsy intruder in his house. On goes the light and there's a young man having a rummage. What the hell are you doing? Are you Dexter Morgan? It's me, Harrison. Harrison. You can't. Everyone close to you dies. That's why we're here. I don't know who you're talking about. But, but you look just like I remember. Just have one of those faces, I guess. If you don't want me, fucking say it. Dokes. Aquarita. Rita. This is so heartbreaking. As a parent, this broke my heart, and you can see the pain flash across Dexter's face. Great work from Hall. A nice introduction to the actor whose name escapes me. Alcott, something Alcott, who plays Harrison. Great intensity from Jennifer Carpenter as well. Deb's right, of course. This is the reason... Jack Alcott, that's right. <laughs> This is the reason why Dexter left Miami like he did, sending Harrison off with Hannah, feeling he was safer with a serial poisoner than him. 
protect the ones he loves by having nothing more to do with them. It's so hard on him. But this was the penance he chose for himself. But now, all these years on, he's faced with his one living relative and it's his son. Abandonment issues have serious ramifications for the mental health of young people. And who knows what Harrison's been through since we last saw him. And I'm sure we were all asking the same question here. How the hell did Harrison find him? We can only guess at this point. Dexter sends him on his way. Kindly, but sends him on his way. And after he's gone, he picks up a photo uh, that was in the drawer from where Harrison had been having a rummage. It's a photo of him and Harrison. A colourful one from the Miami days, of course. And he burns it. I don't know if Harrison left it there, or whether Harrison was about to find it in his search, but it's a very sad gesture to go and burn it. How shit they must both be feeling right now. Next day, Dex is out in the woods again, thinking he's still being watched, and he sees the white buck again. It was no surprise, though, when it ended up being shot. You could just see that coming. I love the moment between human and animal, though. Who cares if it was CG, a CG animal? It was a lovely, gentle moment for Dexter, connecting with nature, something I can personally identify with. It resonated with me, and it was awful how the scene turned out. Inevitable, but awful. But it had to, didn't it? We knew Matt was a prick, and look at his reaction to killing the deer. This time, though, Dexter hitting Matt with the rifle was no fantasy. A very human response to something so callous and heartless. Now... I'm not going to lie, I'm not a fan of hunting and this isn't the place for a debate about it, but I was right there with Dexter. And then, noticeable by its absence, the dark passenger is back and the voiceover returns and it's welcome, I've got to admit. First rule of the code. I loved how he immediately switched into the old mode, looking to cover his tracks and a spot decision is made. That bottle isn't just opening, he's tipping it up to take a seriously big gulp falling well and truly off the wagon. It really has been ten years since he last killed. That must have taken enormous effort all this time. I smiled when he took the makeshift blood slide, but smiled again when he put it down, and acknowledging he doesn't need the trophy anymore. Matt tries to plead for his life, but it really is past the point of no return. Great intensity from Hall here, as we've witnessed so many times. These kill rooms are where Dexter can be completely honest. Matt breaks down and talks about his crappy childhood and I love Dexter's response. You're blaming this on bad parenting? Anyone who's listened to me on the Dexter wrap-up the other week, you might remember I talked about Harry as a bad father, so this remark amused me. And of course, Matt's pleas fall on deaf ears. You know what? Fuck you, man! My dad, he is going to destroy you. He knows everybody in this town. They love him. They would do anything for him. And when he finds out what you did to me, he is going to find you. And he is going to rain down a world of pain on you, man. You have no idea what you're doing. Like you said, life is short, dude. And there we are. Dexter takes a good swallow from that bottle. All that time with the so-called monster buried deep inside, undone in a split second. 
Actor Steve Robertson's delivery was fantastic here. So much venom. I loved it. He mentioned his father, though, as being a powerful man. We know Dex has been in Iron Lake for at least two years, so you'd think he'd have known this before killing him. Just take a sip of tea, bear with me. Mmm, lovely. The first words, tonight's the night though, after the kill, were a bit on the nose. Maybe some fan service we didn't need, since so many of us were saying it before the premiere. Then, in an echo of the original series, his phone rings and there is his girlfriend with a completely mundane and ordinary phone call. And, in old Dexter fashion, like with Rita, he lies to her, so he can complete his ritual. This is when he rejects the blood slide and we get the line about him being an evolving monster. Time will tell if this is a good thing, though. He chops up Matt pretty carelessly by comparison to the old days, getting blood on his face. And... Judging by the final shot, blood on the ground outside his cabin, which we are to assume it's Matt's, but I don't know, could it be the deer? And in perhaps what could be his first really bad decision of the season, if you don't count killing Matt as one, he apparently decides to dump the body parts through his fishing hole in the lake. We don't see him do it, but it's inferred. Not his best choice, when it could be a very popular fishing lake in season, and something on the bottom might not stay hidden forever. He's been there before, isn't he? The episode ends with an emotional moment as Dexter decides to embrace some honesty. Let's face it, he's lived a life for so long and arguably always pretended to be someone he isn't, for the most part. He makes the choice to catch up with Harrison at the bus stop. He admits who he is to his son and invites him to come home with him. He wants something real again and who can blame him? He saw his son alone and has no knowledge of where he's been, or where he might go to next, how vulnerable he might be, how damaged by the abandonment. Dexter's paternal instinct kicks in, and I'm so glad it did. I guess we we can say it probably won't end well, but I'm sure we all really want it to. Listener feedback. So, the first feedback of the new season, and it's great to see a few familiar names again. First up, Mike Lanich writes, Just writing these words in an email brings back so many fantastic memories. Hi, Gareth, he starts. So this episode had me on the edge of so many different emotions. On one end, I was happy to see Dexter and what his life was like. He clearly gave up lumberjacking, to which I think we can all agree was a very good thing. But I had plenty of competing emotions apart from that. One was admiration. Despite Rita and Deb gone, Hannah and Harrison off to some part of the world, he's managed to survive. It may not be the life he had in Miami, but appears it appears as though he's more or less content. Addiction has always been a great metaphor for Dexter's killing urges, and like a former addict, it's one day at a time for him. It's been ten years since his last kill, and you get the sense with Deb as the stand-in for Harry that he feels every single day of those years. So I admire his ability to stay clean and do his best to fit in, which I think he does better here in some ways than he ever did in Miami. The show punches up the metaphor by having Dexter chasing his white buck for the thrill of the chase, but never pulling the trigger. He's controlling his urges in a way he never could when he was younger, when it controlled him. The other emotion I felt, though, was sadness. In fact, my first thought in the opening minutes was the lion in winter, This is Dexter past his peak as a killer, and as a human, he's not in his 30s anymore. He's lost his edge, 
and like an athlete past their prime, just can't compete like he used to. In fact, I always thought in the original run that Dexter would be brought down by a younger, hungrier, sharper version of himself, like the one we met in the pilot. I think maybe Matt was a little over the top here. I think they went just a little too big, cartoonishly big, but I think the point was that Dexter needed someone so outrageously terrible and grating that even he couldn't control himself this time. Plus, Matt killed the buck on almost him. Of course, Dexter kills him, and well, he's a bit rusty, isn't he? The problem is that maybe Dexter isn't the neat monster he was before. And that evolving monster he talks about? That comes with its own issues, and that might result in him getting caught, as we see several spots of blood in the snow that he didn't clean up. Harrison showing up is interesting, and I'd like to know how he found Dexter, which, frankly, would have been my first question. I do miss the inner voiceovers, which helped to let us know what Dexter was thinking, as opposed to saying. So there were some interesting themes of fatherhood going on here. Why is Harrison here? Where is Hannah? Overall, a good episode to start with. It's lacking something, though, that would push it much higher, and I'm not sure right now what that is. I need to watch it again. Thanks, Mike. I completely get you when you say how writing about Dexter again brings back memories. Although I think, having read your email a second time, you were referring to simply starting a message with Hi, Gareth. (laughs) But I get that as well. It really does bring back memories, doesn't it? Writing my review, it was so nice to be thinking about new Dexter again. It's exciting and we have no idea where this season's going to end up. You're right, Dexter deserves a lot of credit for surviving, maintaining his anonymity, until now of course, and not killing for all this time. He's done well, hasn't he? I like your observation about the... about stalking, apparently stalking that white buck, like it was putting temptation in his way and... and like trying to uh, keep a handle on his his urges and test himself. Although, of course, shooting random animals wasn't part of his ritual back in the day, at his his prime. Um, That was an interesting observation. Yeah, so, yeah, Dexter's done well. He he really had a handle on things. And, And like I talked about in the review, he'd placed himself somewhere that would be relatively free from temptation again until now. You had the same thought as me about him calling himself an evolving monster. We think of evolution as changes for the better, but perhaps that isn't the case here. He's out of practice, and inevitably that comes with losing his edge. Will this be a case of him giving in to his dark urges again, but ultimately becoming unstuck because he can't do it like he used to? Matt Caldwell was a proper pillock, and I agree. You could say cartoonishly cartoonishly so, but it was plausible to me that the rich son of a powerful man would swan about town like a peacock, like he owned the place. A voicemail now from Chris Graham. Tonight's the night. It has to happen. I have to leave voice feedback for dissecting Dexter. Hi Gareth. Great to have you back. I was super excited when I heard that Dexter was coming back and even more excited when I heard that Dissecting Dexter was coming back. You are the perfect companion podcast for Dexter. You were on the original run and you will be for this new limited run. Just watched the episode, so this is really very quick notes and thoughts on it. I was worried about Harrison coming back and being such a big part of the show and I was also worried which might seem strange about Deb coming back and almost taking the Harry role after watching the first episode 
I actually found the the initial Dexter and Harrison um, conversation where Dexter pretends that he's not Dexter to be oddly emotional and actually really enjoyed it and it made me quite excited to see where they're going. I do think it's probably going to end up with Harrison killing Dexter at the end of the series, which I'm not sure I will enjoy, but we'll see how it plays out. Um, as for the Deb situation, obviously great to see Jennifer Carpenter back as she is, for me, just as big a part of the show as Dexter himself. And I actually really liked the sort of lived-in relationship that Dexter and Deb had in this first episode. It was a lot more than just the Harry conversation where he was the conscious or Dexter's inner monologue at times. It seemed like it was more of a lived-in relationship. And obviously, you've got to um, leave your, your mind at the door for something like this, but I really did enjoy it and I was looking, I'm was i definitely looking forward to, to more of it um, moving forward. Um, anyway, don't want this to be too long. Um, just wanted to say that it's great to have you back. And I'm looking forward to listening to the podcast. Chris from Scotland, see you in another life, brother. Oh, mate. Great intro to your voicemail. Tonight's the night in a Scottish accent works. (laughs) And it gave me a chill. And the Desmond Lost reference at the end. Brilliant. Love it. I have to agree with your emotional response to the Dexter Harrison interaction. Each of their scenes was emotive in different ways for me and I'm glad I wasn't the only one to be a bit moved. Assuming it really is Harrison and we've not had any evidence to suggest it isn't, it will be fascinating to see what he's like. What sort of a young man has he grown into? Was he affected in any way by the trauma of Rita? Is he impacted by his father abandoning him? There'll be some explaining to do there by Dexter. And yes, where is Hannah? What effect from the time spent with her? He could be suffering from his own mental health issues. Dexter said he would try and guide his son, but you'd hope that he would learn from the mistakes from the mistakes Harry made with him and do a better job of it. Thanks, Chris. That was great. Look forward to hearing from you again, mate. Hey, Gareth. Nick here. Figured I would do voicemails this season. I'll try to keep these brief since I'll be posting my in-depth thoughts on DexterDaily.com. Sorry for the shameless plug, but I want to highlight my favorite moments from each episode for dissecting Dexter and see what you and other listeners thought. So... For Cold Snap, I think there are honestly a ton of standout moments. In fact, I think this might be one of my favorite episodes of the entire show. However, my favorite moment gave me chills, and I got a huge reaction from the theater during the premiere. It's the moment after Matt kills the deer and Dexter drops him with a bash from his rifle. There's this delicious and intense pause where the audience can tell he's mulling it over. And then his voiceover returns. First rule of the code, don't get caught. It was an epic moment, but what made it great was what came next. He does something that felt genuinely smart and indicative of the Dexter of the early years. He slits the deer's throat and directs the pooling blood through the snow until it completely envelops Matt's blood spatter. I can honestly say I don't think Dexter had many moments like this post-Clyde Phillips. It felt kind of like a signal to the viewer that the old Dexter is back, and it was just unreal. I loved it. Anyways... That was just one of the great moments from Cold Snap, and I can't wait to hear from others about the episode. So until next week, cheers. Thanks, Nick. Do check out Nick's full review of this and all the episodes coming up on DexterDaily.com, where you can also keep up with any breaking news about Dexter. If you've not heard Nick's memories of the New York premiere, 
please do check out the podcast from last week, dissecting the new blood premiere. So, yes, the mixing of the blood. It didn't take him long to think of that, and although we've cast a little doubt on how sharp his skills are already this week, this was definitely a sign that he's not completely lost his mojo. This was smart and the right move in the circumstances. There may be hints that he's not the same neat monster, but he's still got some moves. Thanks again. Another familiar name from the good old days now, Deanna in Alberta has written in. She was a big fan back in the day and a part of our fan community, but struggled with how the show ended and never went back to rewatch. However, as she writes, rumour said the show was coming back. A surprise post on my Facebook feed popped up, dissecting Dexter, but my cold, cold heart was still too angry to care. A few more posts from you and I could see excitement building. A YouTuber, Entertain the Elk, put up a video essay called The Day Dexter Died, and his conclusions were not surprising. But what was surprising to me was how the recap of those early seasons made me feel. How seeing Dokes, LaGuerta, the others, started to thaw my heart a little. Knowing the new show was going back to the season one to four executives, and then Nick on your podcast saying he liked it a lot, pushed me to watch it. I cuddled up with my hubby and my cat, Dexter seasons one through four, and watched. Oh, I've just read that sentence, <laughs> looking at that sentence again. And my cat, Dexter seasons one through four. So you had a, De- a cat called Dexter as well. <laughs> uh, and renamed after the alteration, uh, a, a name alteration after the finale. <laughs> I get it now. I'm sorry, Diana. I've made a right hash of that. <laughs> so you watched, arms crossed, daring to give it, to give you one reason to rage quit. Quoting Deanna directly again now, I do apologise. There was just the right amount of fan service. Jeff Lindsay's morning donuts at the office. I think you mean Jim Lindsay's, don't you? Morning donuts at the office. Good morning and breakfast, hot sauce, reminiscent of the old opening sequence. I found the swapping back and forth on music a little distracting, but I did appreciate the humour in some of the music selections. The Passenger Indeed. Dick Face was a touch over the top, I guess, but it pushed Dexter to the sequence everyone was waiting for, The Kill Room. Well, my Canadian heart must have thawed somewhat. I'm waiting for the next episode. Not where I expected myself to be, to be very honest. Not only am I waiting for the next episode, I can't wait to hear some of the familiar community voices. Thanks, Deanna, me too. And I apologise for making a complete balls up of reading your email. (laughs) I've not seen that video you mentioned, but it sounds like something I'd find interesting. I don't blame you for struggling to muster enthusiasm for New Blood. There was something about the talk of this new series that got my juices going again. We had that podcast back in March, spitballing about what could happen, and it got me excited for Dexter again. I hope the series continues to hold your interest. I really feel that there is some good stuff to come. Despite the kill, this might be the calm before the storm. My wife... She said she just wants Dexter to live a quiet life and be happy with his son. I hate to say it, but I think she could be disappointed on that one. Hope to hear from you again, Deanna. This next one is from Luke Farmer, who wrote a really great email saying how he'd done a rewatch and gone from Remember the Monsters one night to Cold Snap the next, timing it perfectly. He says Iron Lake reminded him a bit of those fake towns from Christmas films, but he thought Cold Snap was a really strong start being very different but very good. He goes on to say, 
It's great that Debbie's back and interesting that she is essentially playing the opposition to the role Harry did, more a blocker than an enabler. That said, I'm not sure I enjoyed just how darkly dead she is. Seeing her emerge from the icy water before being dragged back down by some sort of dark passenger and pulling a bullet from her torso was a grim reminder of what I thought was a terribly unfitting ending for such a loved character. The fact that she had such a dark ending was the biggest letdown of the original series for me, and I hope her role in New Blood gets a little brighter. I'd love to see her at peace in some way, and more an angel on a shoulder than a tormented spirit. Of course, we all know she's long gone, but the beauty of her character was how full of emotion she was, and I don't think I'll ever get used to seeing her presented in such darkness. Luke goes on to echo some of my thoughts about Caldwell, uh, and says, It was refreshing to have some passion and genuine menace back in Dexter, and I loved the outrage that he felt at Caldwell killing his deer. His deer, in inverted commas. The deer was clearly part of Dexter's daily routine. And it seemed fitting that in Caldwell, shattering that routine, he signed his own death warrant. Harrison coming back so early indicates he's going to play a pretty pivotal role in the series and I can't wait to see how it plays out. I do think, however, Dexter may regret allowing him into his life. I was pretty relieved that pretty much all of the teasers Showtime has given us were revealed uh, that the moments in the tr in the teasers were revealed in this episode. I now feel like I don't have much of an idea as to what comes next, although, as we all do, I have my early predictions. Chris goes on to point out uh, the strong social commentary uh, with references to climate change, protesters against oil conglomerates, trophy hunting, gun law concerns, as well as a very diverse cast, playing very diverse characters. He says he has a feeling that Dexter is going to be a hero of the underdog and a very useful ally for some of the oppressed minorities. He also goes on to say that he was a bit disappointed there, weren't, uh, there wasn't a traditional opening credit sequence. He says, I know each episode is set to have its own sequence, but I did miss the opening credits and the ante anticipation that introduction builds. But he did like that the show ended with the familiar music of the blood theme. He also says about Clyde Phillips uh, and how him being back as showrunner is clear to see. He says Cold Snap would have slotted nicely into the glory seasons of one to four. And to me, it was a good start to a season, as I can remember. I do have one concern about his return, however. I know I shouldn't be thinking about the ending already, but knowing that Clyde's initial idea was for Dexter to get the lethal injection, it does make me worry that new blood will see us bid goodbye to Dexter. I don't mean that in the sense there will not be another series, if that is the case. I can probably just about live with that. But I'm not sure I can deal with waiting eight years just to see Dexter die. I would have hated that as an ending all those years ago, and even more so now. I don't want Dexter to have been brought back just to die. I'd rather think he was still out there in lumberjack land, hoping he'd found some sort of reprieve and was doing his thing. Anyway, uh, Chris concludes by saying he thought it was a great start and he's over the moon that Dexter is back. Thanks very much, Chris. Um, I, uh, I I know your comments there about uh, social commentary in the episode. I picked up on that as well. And is that too on the nose for 2021, a show in 2021? Obviously, there's nothing wrong with a diverse cast. And um, the original series, of course, had a diverse cast as well. So no change there as a, as a, a feature of, of Dexter as a TV series. Uh, but yeah, there, there were some um, potential contentious issues there, sort of environmental 
environmental concerns. I've, I've already mentioned the, uh, you know, the hunting thing, and and uh, you mentioned gun law. Yeah, interesting. I, I don't mind that as long as it's not, as long as they don't beat us over the head or sound like they're preaching to us. That would sort of, I think that would take us out of it, wouldn't it? The day we thought would never come is it's finally come. It's happened, Gareth. Dexter's back. Don't call it season nine. This is the Showtime limited event series, Dexter, New Blood. And he and he's back and dissecting Dexter's back. And I'm back. You, you, you want to know what I thought? Well, I wish I had something exciting to say. Uh, I mean, I thought, I thought it was pretty good. I guess it was all right, right? I, this is kind of just like the first hour of like a 10-hour movie. I mean, I, in the press for this, even on the, the podcast, the official podcast, they stress like, we filmed this like a movie. We filmed it all out of order. I mean, even filmically or, you know, aesthetically, it looks more like a film. The aspect ratio was much narrower than the series was. Uh, it seems kind of akin to uh, El Camino, to Breaking Bad, where it looks different. Uh, at any rate, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I mean, it was all right. I wish I could get excited. I'm seeing fans online are jumping for joy. I was crying when this happened, or uh, oh, I'm so excited. What I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It was just the first hour. I'm not yeah, too over the moon, uh, but it, but it was pretty good. Uh, n- nothing so bad that I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to be hating on it or anything. I've got positive things to say. Uh, I think. The, the moment that caught me off guard was when Harrison showed up and and Dexter rejected him initially, you know. Now, we all knew, anybody who's ever seen a movie ever before in their life, they know Dexter's going to, you know, he's going to get take Harrison in, right? We knew that was going to happen. I didn't see him rejecting him initially. I just thought, like, you know, it was just going to happen there. I kind of liked that moment. It made sense. I liked it, and they committed to it for a little bit. I liked the surreal dream Dexter had where Deb got pulled into the ice by Swamp Thing. That was really weird, but in a good way. Uh, oh, there's the 10-minute bell. I'm, I'm on my lunch right now. Uh, uh, I got a, a, a few questions. I got, uh, you know, the same question everyone's going to have. How did Harrison track down Dexter? I know on the podcast when we spoke previously... Uh, we kind of floated the idea of like maybe it's a fake Harrison, and you know, and I base that off of nothing. I have no proof, uh, and, and I really don't really believe it. But I am curious: how are they going to explain away <clears throat> how Harrison found Dexter so easily? I'm racking my brain for all kinds of solutions, and I can't find a good one. Right? They can do some hand wavy, implausible thing. Well, your picture got taken in the local paper, and that got became popular online and somehow it made its way to me you know i in any way that i can think of is going to feel contrived for how this boy f- found his dead father if, you know whatever uh so i'm curious how they can explain that away um i'm curious if dexter really believes he can hide a body in that like shallow pond by his house uh you know that's where he when he cut up matt uh and he thought Oh yeah, I'm just gonna hide it in the wa- the lake. Fuck it, you know. I, anybody, you don't even need to be educated. You gotta understand that ice is gonna thaw. People are gonna find it. In fact, you know, because I know that this is a drama series, in in not real life, I think people are gonna find it much sooner than summertime. By the time that you know the ice would thaw, 
I think the body's going to get found. Um, another thing I liked that probably something everyone's going to mention is that, you know, the voiceover returned right when Dexter got murderous again. You know, it was perfect, right? And it, it was what the, the episode was missing, intentionally missing, right? It was, it was very, you know, purposely plotted that way. Um, and so I like, I like the return of the voiceover. Um, him doing the like, hello, Dexter Morgan. I mean, that's, that's cute. He looks in the mirror, hello, Dexter Morgan. But I just think about the implications of like, well, that's what Trinity said to him. That's what the man who killed his wife, the man who destroyed his, his life, got that ball rolling on unraveling his entire life. Uh, that's what he said to Dexter. Would he really kind of give a little cheeky, like, hello, Dexter Morgan to himself? I don't know. Maybe it was, I felt like that was a little too indulgent, too fan servicey. It's certainly, certainly off the heels of the equally fan servicey tonight's the night line, right? But anyway, uh, I'll get going. This is a good length, uh, better than the eight minutes I've done before. Uh, we'll, we'll talk next week. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Thanks. It's great to hear from you. I get where you're coming from, this being the first hour of a 10-hour movie or the first chapter of a book. The episode did have an arc with what happened with Matt Caldwell, but mostly it felt like it will just flow naturally into the next episode. It'll suit binge viewers pretty well. You messaged me earlier to say that the question of how Harrison found Dexter is revealed on this week's Dexter Wrap-Up podcast. Scott Reynolds has Michael C. Hall and Clyde Phillips on. Travis, you've said you've listened and that the reason they give is a bit lame. And I'm honestly really surprised that they did this. This is obviously a big question that we would have had coming out of the first episode. I've not listened to the wrap-up podcast this week yet, and I won't now. Not yet. Any answers should be revealed organically in the show, and it sounds like they spoil this one. I, I can't imagine it won't get brought up in the next episode. Dexter will certainly want to know. You're right about... Also, about what were arguably fan service lines after the kill. They both felt a little forced, although Hello, Dexter Morgan could be seen as the dark passenger speaking directly... Anyway, thanks again. I'm sure long-term listeners will be looking forward to you providing some controversy as we go along. And uh, before I close off this section, thank you to everybody who has reached out with, with brief comments about the podcast or the, uh, the new series of Dexter uh, on social media, Twitter and, and Facebook. You know who you are. Um, I think I've, I've tried to acknowledge everybody. Um, thank you. And if you want to... Drop me a line to be included in the next episode. It's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. You can follow the Facebook page, facebook.com slash dissectingdexter. And on Twitter, it's at dissectdexter. This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. That helps me control the chaos. So, where are we at at the end of this first episode? How are we feeling? I mean, it, it sounds like from the feedback I'm getting that fans of the show are okay with the opening episode. The The general feeling seems to be pretty positive. Um, I don't think there's any big criticisms about what's happened so far uh, for me. The episode didn't blow me out of the water, but it did, I think, do a good job 
of giving us a sense of place, establishing the town of Iron Lake, giving us a little introduction to some of the people who call it home. We've had an insight into the cosy little life that Dexter has carved out for himself there, no pun intended. And um, I think we, we get a sense of, of how hard it has been for him to keep a lid on who he really is, I guess. And, and obviously we join him at, a, at the point in his life where he, he fell off the wagon having done so well for, for a decade or best part of a decade uh, to to come a cropper now. So presumably his his um, he had done a really good job of uh, keeping his 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 darkness at bay all this time. So like like Mike said, we we give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, but where he goes next, who knows? Now now he's taken that first that first step backwards, as it were. Well, we'll see. Uh, I'm in. I'm in. Who who isn't? <laughs> some of the reviews, some of the critical reviews out there uh, have have been more lukewarm, um, and in some cases even fairly negative about whether we even needed this Dexter revival. But I think for for us hardcore, dedicated, diehard fans, I think we did. I think we did. I think we needed to uh, give them an opportunity to uh, end the show in a better way and I think Michael C. Hall did as well I think he's he's been on record saying as much uh, and Clyde Phillips as well he was uh, he's been very um, open about his disappointment with how things turned out so we shall see where this goes looking forward to next week thank you for joining me Thank you for uh, returning. Thank you for, for joining me. If you're new to Dissecting Dexter, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll be dissecting some more Dexter. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye for now.